Good morning. You're not frozen today, I hope. It's cold out there today. Spring is on the way, though. Did you know that? That's the first good news I'm going to give you today. Spring is coming. It's on the way. Y'all not even excited about that today. I got to wake you up. Turn to your neighbor and just slap them this morning really hard and wake them up. Please don't. I'll be in trouble. Welcome to part three of our series called Breakthrough. Didn't Pastor Luke do an amazing job last week bringing the word? I was so thankful for him. Love Pastor Luke so much. I heard his message on uh, Tuesday or Wednesday before I went out of town last weekend. And what a great message he had. We love Pastor Luke and his wife Jessica and their kids so much. He did such a great job for us. In fact, somebody came to me recently wanting to get Luke for a position they had. And I said two things. I said, do everything you can to get him, but you can't have him. So we love him so much. For our third message in Breakthrough today, we're going to be in Galatians chapter 6. And in Galatians chapter 6, there is a verse, a word for those who are doing good things, but they're tired. People who are doing good things, but they're tired. Do you ever just get tired, anybody? Do you ever just get worn out? I'm going to ask you a question, and don't be too spiritual when you answer it. Do you ever just get tired of doing the right thing? You're like, I know I'm doing the right thing. I know I'm here. I'm doing what I'm supposed to do, but I'm just tired. I'm worn out. Galatians chapter 6 has a message for you today, and it's really a message about how you can break through the weariness into the harvest that God has for you. Now, in the book of Galatians, the apostle Paul is writing to a group of churches. Galatia is not a city. It's a region. So Paul is writing to a group of churches And what had happened to the churches in Galatia, they had believed the simple message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news of Jesus, is very simple. And sometimes we overcomplicate it. The gospel is this, that we are in sin, that when we sin, when Adam sinned, we died spiritually, and we need life, we need forgiveness, we need redemption And Jesus Christ came, the perfect, spotless Lamb of God, the Son of God. He came and lived a perfect life. He died on the cross to pay the price for our sins. He was buried, but he rose again and defeated sin and death forever. And he ascended to God's right hand where now he sits watching over us and praying over us. That's the simple gospel of Jesus Christ, that you don't come to him with your good works and your righteousness and your attempts to be a good person. You simply come to him with your brokenness, with your, with your lostness, with your pain, and you say, Jesus, I trust in what you did for me, and you receive him, and he changes your life forever, and it comes through faith. That's the simple gospel of Jesus Christ. The Galatians had corrupted the gospel. False teachers had come in and tried to mix religion in with it. And people do this all the time. They'll try to make the gospel of Jesus Christ a message of work, saying you can earn your way into heaven. And that's kind of what was going on in Galatia. So Paul wrote a letter to them to call them back to the simple gospel of Jesus Christ. At the end of this letter, in chapter 6, as Paul often did, he came down to some very practical instructions. And in these practical instructions, particularly verse 9, he writes a word to those who are doing good and are getting weary. Who are doing good, but they're growing tired. Here it is, Galatians 6, 9 is where we're at today. 
Paul writes and he said, let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. What a powerful word. And I really pray that you get that word in your heart today. When Paul said, friends, family, let's not get tired of doing the right thing. Because at just the right time, in God's appointed time, we're going to reap an incredible harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Now the first thing we learn from this verse is this, that doing good can wear you out. Doing good can absolutely exhaust you. It's not easy to do the right thing. It's not easy to serve others. Did you know when you minister to other people, you're actually taking resources that are on your insides and you're pouring them out to benefit other people? Do you know you only have a limited amount of emotional reserves? How many know that you only have a limited supply of patience? How many know that your spouse has a limited supply? Don't raise your hand. That's a trap right there trying to get you hurt today. You have a limited amount of emotional, emotional reserves. And when you step out, I mean, I was up in the children's ministry this morning, and uh, there'll be a ton of kids up there. And you know the workers there, they're going to spend something today. Because not all of your children are perfect little angels. We're teaching them to be, and you are too. But sometimes they're a handful. Work with me. When you do ministry today and you pray for somebody, you're going to spend something. And it can wear you out. Doing good for you may mean cooking a meal for somebody, serving in a ministry in church. The greeters out there today, they're spending their limited body heat that they have is going away today as they're out there in the parking lot. Doing good can mean all kind of things. As I was praying over this message, I was specifically thinking about people who become caregivers. Many people become caregivers in their family. A family member gets sick, and all of a sudden they're in the role of sometimes having a full-time job and becoming almost a full-time caregiver at the same time. And they're trying to juggle life while they're trying to desperately care for someone who's often desperately ill. And it's so common for the caregiver to wear out and go in the hospital while they're giving. I was thinking of uh, many, many families. We have so many families at Upward who have fostered children and adopted children. And some of y'all uh, went plumb crazy with it. I say that as a joke. But I see many of you who didn't foster or adopt one. You got two or three or four or five. That's happened here. I'll see families walk in with five little bitty kids. And I think, how in the world are they managing I knew families at this church who've taken a whole bunch of kids at once to keep brothers and sisters together. And it ain't easy. You foster an adopted child, that's a tough thing. 
and they get weary and they get worn out. Doing good is beautiful, but it's tiring. Now, I love to see good being done. I heard a story just this week of uh, our care ministry that's really awesome. They reach and care for people in the church and in the community. And they had a goal this Christmas. They bought a bunch of blankets to take to nursing homes to give out in the nursing homes for Christmas. And then a lot of sickness spread through Henderson County. And a lot of the nursing homes didn't allow visitation for a while. So they weren't able to take the blankets. So they've gotten back in the swing of it. And they're going to be taking the blankets very soon. Well, a couple ladies in the care ministry serve in a women's correctional facility not far from here. And they had this incredible God idea. They put a flyer up in the correctional facility and said, if you'd like to make cards for senior citizens in nursing homes, come on out this day at this time. And they were going to make cards to take with the blankets. And they thought they might have two or three, but I'm going to show you a picture of the turnout that happened. All these women in a correctional facility showed up to make cards to go with the blankets. And I thought, how incredible the good is that the nursing home residents are going to be hearing from women in a correctional facility who sat down long enough to tell them they cared about them. The ladies in the church were able to share their faith in the facility through this. And this is even... This really blew me away. The leaders of the facility came back to them and said, we want y'all to do this every holiday from now on. We want y'all to come back, and we're going to make the cards to go out for the care ministry. Good like that just starts multiplying again and again and again and again, and the community gets transformed by the good that people do. But being good can get tiresome. Some years ago, we were in a season, and every leader goes through this. I'm not whining today. We were in a season where uh, I was getting criticized a good bit, and leaders get criticized. It was several years back, and it was just a heavy season of criticism. And I was getting emails and phone calls, and not everybody loved me, and very many people were upset with me. Though we were walking through it, and Alexa and I prayed about it, and we decided to do what leaders need to do a whole lot. Sometimes you just bite your lip. You put on your big boy pants. Can I get an amen? And you just go on and you take the high road. That might be the word somebody came here for today right there. That could just be encapsulated, a little word for you. That when you're criticized, oftentimes, bite your lip, put on your big boy pants, and keep leading. So Alex and I talked about it, and we were mad too. We said, we're going to take the high road. We're going to take the higher. I remember we said, uh, we're going to be the bigger person. That was kind of a thing we just said to each other all the time. We'd hear something, be the bigger person, be the bigger person. I came home one day, and the criticism was a little heavy that day. And Alexa came to me. She said, I'm tired of being the bigger person. I want to fight. Have you ever felt that way? That's often what happened that gets leaders in trouble. They just get worn out and they start fighting and they start destroying the influence that they have. It's normal. You may be tired for all kinds of reasons. You may be doing the right thing, but you're just not seeing the results yet that you'd hope to see. It's taking longer than you think it should take. You might be doing the right thing and you just feel underappreciated. You feel like nobody is really noticing what you're doing 
and it feels like you're doing it for nothing. Maybe you're tired because you've just reached your physical limitations and you just need some physical relief. Maybe you've spent all of your emotional reserves and you're not getting filled up. Maybe secretly and you haven't told anybody about it, but you wish you could get out of this commitment and just quit. I'm here to tell you, it's okay. Everybody gets worn out. You're not a bad person because you're tired. You're not a bad person because you've come to the end of your resources. If you are doing good and getting tired, if you're doing good but feel today like giving up, like your breakthrough is never coming, I want to give you two shifts you need to make. I want you to shift out of one gear and into another gear. Now I want to ask today how many people can still drive a manual stick shift transmission how many can hold your hands up high we're proud of your dying breed here today uh, how many as old as me know the difference between three on the tree and four on the floor how many learn to drive with three on the tree you're my people right there reverse first second third right my little falcon just had four reverse one two and three man I put that thing in high and I could get it up to about 73 That was meant to be a sarcastic joke, but y'all are like, okay, I drove one too. <laughs> Today I want to talk about gear shifts. We're going to shift. I want you, first of all, to shift from me to we. Everybody say that this morning. I'm going to shift from me to we. Now, when I say that, what I don't want you to hear is I'm saying shift from being selfish to being unselfish. That's not you. You're already doing good. You're already giving. You're already thinking about others, and that's a good thing. When I say shift from me to we, I'm saying shift from being isolated to being connected. And that's so incredibly important. When I read this verse, and where I get that in this verse is that Paul used the first-person plural in this whole verse. He used we language. He didn't preach to people and say, you guys don't get tired of doing what's good because you guys are going to reap if you guys don't get up, give up. He said this, he said, let's. Let's not grow tired of doing good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. I love that the Apostle Paul was including himself in his own preaching. He was saying, folks, we're in this thing together. If you are tired today and feeling alone and feeling like quitting, I want, you to t I want you to hear this. Shift from me to we and you will find strength. I hear people say oftentimes, I'm fighting the devil. Can I tell you something? You're not fighting the devil. We are fighting the devil. Come on, church. I'm trying to help you this morning. Let's do some we this morning, all right? You're not fighting the devil, we are. Amen? Anybody love your family? That's an easy one. Anybody willing to fight for your family? Anybody would say, I can fight with my family and it's okay, but you better not mess with them. I can treat them like a dog, but you better not. Anybody ready to fight when it comes to your family? 
Do you know we all in the body of Christ have been purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ and we live under the same blood and we're family and we fight for each other and we fight together and we leave no one behind and when we do a battle we're never alone in the middle of that battle. We have the body of Christ that rallies together and if we're willing to shift from me to we, if we're willing to shift from isolation to connection, we will find strength when we're weary. When our resources are depleted, we can lean on someone else in the body of Christ and say, hang on to me, take this for me, walk through this with me. The devil loves to keep you in me gear. He loves to make you think that you're alone. And he hates it when you shift over into we gear. But today, I won't, never want you to say again, I'm fighting the devil. We're fighting him. You see, you're in a body of believers. First of all, you're in the body of Christ, which is a body of believers that go around the world. Millions upon millions of people will meet this week and gather in the name of Jesus Christ, and they're our family. I had a pastor in town reach out to me this morning and he said praying for our upward family this morning yes y'all not nearly as excited as I am today but I'm going on without you he said another pastor of another church said our upward family meaning we're all in the body of Christ the glorious things I heard this week and I found it out for the first time we're sending volunteers out in the community work for the first time to my knowledge we've sent some volunteers to actually do ministry that's happening in another local church in their context in their building I'm like yes it's what I've been living for because it's we don't you let the devil lie to you and tell you that you're all alone in this you've got brothers and sisters who are willing to fight for you and willing to stand with you and willing to help you when you're suffering. Can I tell you something? If you're just burned out in ministry, it's okay to take a break and let somebody else do it for a while. Now, you won't hear preachers say that too much, but I'm telling you today, don't tell anybody. Might get in trouble, but uh, sometimes... You need to step back and catch your breath. When you're having struggles in your family, sometimes you need to lean on somebody beside you in that ministry and say, hey, I just need to take a break for just a little while while I get this straightened out. I'll be back. I'm not going anywhere, but i got to take care of my family for a little bit. Can I tell you, you have permission from me and from us to do that because it's about we. It's not about me. When I'm in me gear, I'm feeling alone and isolated, and I'm having a pity party about how bad my life alone is. You ever had a pity party? You ever had a pity party? You're always there alone. You're always saying how nobody cares. When I'm in me mode, I'm having a pity party. When I'm in we mode, I'm actually reaching out saying I need help. One of the strongest things you can do, guys, and I'm saying guys because we struggle with this. One of the strongest things you can do, guys, is to say, I need some help right now to do this. 
I'm terrible at that. I like to do stuff by myself. I saw a video of a guy the other day. He, unlo he unloaded a huge refrigerator from a pickup truck all by himself. And he had this ingenious way of doing it. He had a cart behind it and he tilted it in just such a way that he got that thing on the cart by himself and took it in the house. I watched that thing like four times. Because I want to do that one day. The question is, why? Why would I want to do something by myself and potentially tear up a fridge and put myself in the hospital when I've got all of you to help me? How many of y'all would help me move a refrigerator this afternoon? Just by coincidence, I'm moving a fridge this afternoon. No, not really. I wouldn't do you like that. I, maybe I would, but uh, why do you want to live in me mode when you've got all this? Is it pride? Is it some lie of the devil that says you're supposed to be strong and independent? Whatever it is, you need to make the shift into we. When I'm in me mode or me gear, I'm hiding my struggles and putting on a brave face. You ever done that? Some of you put a brave face on this morning. I know how it is because I'm married. Some of, you, some of you had an argument on the way to church this morning. And the ride to church was very quiet. Or very loud. This is not prophetic. This is common sense. And you got to church and you're barely speaking to your spouse. But when someone said, how are you today? You're like, oh, I'm doing great. Thank you, Jesus. Everything good. I got the victory. Praise God, brother. I'm so happy. <laughs> yep, you did it. I can tell. I can look on your face. I've done it too. I've preached before when we were having an argument. When I'm in me mode, I just put on the brave face. When I'm in we mode, I'm walking in authentic relationships and being vulnerable with where I'm at. doesn't mean I tell everybody, but it does mean I tell somebody. One of our core values at Upward Christian Fellowship is authentic relationship, meaning we don't fake it till we make it. We're honest about what we're going through, and we open our hearts to each other. And when we need help, we say, I need help. When I'm in me mode, I come to church and listen to the word and worship and I get in my car as quickly as I can and go home and I don't connect with anybody. When I'm in we mode, I plug in. Can I put a shameless plug in for our connect groups today? And I'm not doing it because the connect groups need to grow. I'm doing it because we need to grow. If you come to this church and you enjoy the worship service and the worship we're so glad you're here and I want you to keep coming but if you want to get the full benefit at Upward Christian Fellowship of the life of this body you will plug into a group outside of this meeting because there's going to come a day when you need some close friends and you need a group of people who you're already doing life with 
one of the saddest things I ever see is people who've come to church a long time, but they've never really plugged in and made friends. Then when they go through a crisis, we're there for them. But what I really love to see, our staff is there. We do a lot of pastoral care. But what I really love to see is when someone goes through something and their group that they've already formed surrounds them and loves them. The care is so much more powerful. And it's because they've made an attempt. They've made efforts to plug in. Get out of me mode and get into we mode. Now, we make it one shift. Now I want to make a second shift we're going to shift another gear. Paul uses some powerful language in this verse, and he says this. He said, just at the right time, we will receive a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Paul uses a, an unusual Greek word for, maybe not unusual, it's one we don't understand, a Greek word for time in this passage. The Greek language is so incredibly descriptive. You might have four words in Greek and we sum it up in one word in English. It's like there are four powerful Greek words for love and we just say love. We say I love cheeseburgers and I love my wife. The Greeks had two words for that. They had a different word for loving tacos and loving your wife. As probably should be. They had two powerful words for time. One of their words for time is called chronos. Everybody say chronos. If you, if you hear the word uh, chronology or chronometer, that's, uh, that's from that Greek word chronos. And which means uh, chronos is time that is measured by the watch or by the day planner or by the calendar. It's time that's measure, measured in seconds, minutes, hours, days, months, years. Chronos. Chronos is what we walk through daily. Chronos is our alarm clock that gets us up and our day planner that keeps us on schedule. Chronos is just linear time that we walk through all the time. But that's not the word Paul used when he said just at the right time. He used another word that the Greeks used for time that's called kairos. Everybody say kairos. Kairos is defined as an appointed time. Kairos is an appointment, a day that's coming. And most of the time it's used in the scripture, it's a day when God sends a breakthrough. It's a day when God recognizes all the seeds that have been sown and stored up. And over time, something has been laid up in anticipation of an appointed time of God and that appointed time, that kairos moment comes, and there's breakthrough. We need to make the shift in our lives from chronos to kairos. What I mean by that is this. The kairos moments are what you live for. The chronos is what you just live in every day. Can I try to illustrate it? It's hard to illustrate, but I want to try today. We were on vacation last week and had a wonderful time. We're at a wonderful big place. It has all kinds of wonderful things to do, too many wonderful things to do. So you've got to plan it carefully so you can do everything. So we're jumping on rides and we're doing all kinds of things. And, and I, I grew up planning this type of trip with my kids, always did. Now I have the most wonderful daughter-in-law in the world, and she is a planner extraordinaire. I'm going to tell you something, Frank. Can I just tell you, 
I thought the day my kids started mowing the yard was a good day. The day they start planning vacations is a wonderful, wonderful day, and you will shout hallelujah. I went on vacation, and I didn't plan anything. Becca planned the whole thing. She was on the app getting our times for our rides and all that stuff we were going to do, and I just followed along. And she did so wonderful. And I didn't think for a minute, hey, I used to do that. I'm like, oh, I used to do that. Thank God she's got it now. She got us through everything, and we did so well. And I'm like, yay, you go, Becca. Amen. We're going to do it again. I told her, I said, we're taking you on every vacation from now on. You're going with us. I don't want to plan anything. There's a particular moment. Ever go on vacation with your kids and you're rushing and you're rushing and you're rushing and then there comes that moment when you say, this is why we came. Anybody know what I'm talking about? There's special moments when you're away with your family that you say, there it is. We were on this gondola contraption going over a lake, going back to our hotel, which is really cool. And we were on there and we got to laughing about something and our family laughs a whole lot. We laugh till we roll in the floor lose control of ourselves that's about what happens and uh so <laughs> tmi i know but uh we were in one of those laughing moments in that gondola coming home and it hit me this is one of those moments we didn't come for the rides we came for this the planning is chronos the moments are kairos what i'm telling you is when we're weary, we've got to stop living in the chronos and the planning and the busyness and recognize that God has appointments for us every day and walk in them. I get so busy in my calendar sometimes that I'm thinking about the next thing I got to do. And then I get a phone call from somebody and they say, Pastor, I got a story for you. We were praying for my sister. My sister had cancer and we prayed for her. And I believe God that her cancer was healed. And guess what? She went to the doctor today and she has no cancer anymore. What I prayed for actually came to pass. That happened to me last week. Kairos comes into Kronos. When you understand Kairos is an appointed time that God has, here's what you begin to understand. God's got it. And it will come to pass if I keep doing what I'm supposed to do. I'm running, I'm slap out of time, but I don't care too much. Paul says, as you're walking through the chronos, keep your eyes on the kairos. As you're walking through your daily calendar, keep your eyes on the moments God brings you to. Two things, when I'm living in Kronos, I'm constantly worried about when it's going to happen. That wears you out. When I'm constantly saying, God, I'm doing the right thing, when am I going to see it? When am I going to see it? When am I going to see it? I'm impatient. I think if I go to the gym for a week, I should lose 10 pounds at least. Right? I mean, if I don't drink one sweet tea, that ought to be a pound. Then I get on the scale, and it's like, nope, nope, nope. My scale hates me. So I threw it away. 
for real. Let's go. Living in Kronos is always thinking, when is it going to happen? When is it going to happen? Living in, I want to tell you something, this is worth a whole lot. Living in Kairos means that you know it's on God's calendar. And if you keep doing the right thing, it's coming. Great leaders, let me, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna still drilling here. I'm going to hit oil in a second. Great leaders always think about outcomes. Really good leaders, they consider outcomes. But can I tell you what the great, great leaders do? They figure out the right in, inputs that will bring the right outcomes. And then they focus on the inputs, not the outcomes. When I'm daily worried about outcomes, it wears me out. But when I'm daily doing the right thing, I know that God will bring the outcome. Amen. Let us not, Paul says, grow weary and well do I'm going back to King James, but let us not grow weary in well-doing, for in due season, in Kairos, we will reap a harvest if we faint not. I was walking around that park this week, trying to rush God. Like, God, this needs to happen, as if he didn't know. God, I need that building. God, I need this to happen because I live in a rushed society. Fast food, instant communication, next day shipping. You know something, I can make two clicks while I'm up here preaching and it'll be at my house tomorrow morning. No wonder we're addicted to rushing around. God will not be rushed. His harvest cannot be rushed. Things have to happen for the harvest to be a blessing. My role is to continue to do what I'm called to do. Now, we're in a season of Kairos here at Upward, and I want to tell you what God spoke to me this week. I'm walking around, crowded, but I walked away a few times and just talked to God. God spoke to me about us, and he said, seeds have been sown over and over and over again you've invested as a family again and again and again you've not thought about yourself you've thought about others and he said son all those seeds have piled up and I'm about to unleash a harvest that'll blow your mind amen we're in a Kairos season right now if you're not in that personally that season's coming. Shift from me to we. And shift from the chronos of worrying about when to know God has it on his calendar. And it's coming. Amen. Let's pray together. Jesus, thank you for today. Thank you for people that love you. Thank you for a great group here this morning that loves you. And God, I know there are people who are tired. 
There are people today who've done good for a long time. And for whatever reason, they're longing to see the harvest. And today I pray for them. That they'll shift from me to we. That they'll shift from Kronos to Kairos. And walk in it. Every head bowed and every eye closed, please. I want to ask a question, most important question I'll ask today. Do you know Jesus personally in a personal relationship? Not asking about you going to church, not asking about ministry, not asking about what you do, what you've done. I'm asking, do you have a relationship with Jesus? Have you asked the forgiveness of sins? Have you asked him to come into your life and be your Savior and your Lord? If you've not, I invite you today to say yes to him. And I'll not embarrass anybody here today, I promise. But if you're here today and say, Pastor, that's me. I'm saying yes to Jesus today. Can I see your hand up really quick? Can I see it up high? I'm saying yes to Jesus. Anybody today? Anybody? Amen. Amen. God bless you. Awesome. 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 I want to pray right now for those saying yes to Jesus. Pray with me. Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me, for dying for me. I give my life to you. I turn from my sin. I ask for your forgiveness. And I receive it today. Forgive myself today. As you forgive me. And I receive you. Into my heart. And from this day forward. My life is yours. In Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Can you stand to your feet and just celebrate that with me today? We've had people say yes to Jesus. They've come to know him. Lives have been changed today. I want to speak a blessing over you today from Isaiah 53. It's a messianic prophecy of the Messiah in the Old Testament. And Isaiah 53 is one of the high points of the Old Testament. And as I speak this over you, I believe God's going to heal people. I really do. Today, and I prayed over this, as I speak this word, I believe God's going to heal people's hearts. He's going to heal people's bodies today. Amen. So will you receive this blessing? He is despised and rejected by men. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. You need to hear that today. The Messiah is a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He is despised and we did not esteem him. Surely... He has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. Do it, Jesus. We receive your blessing today. We receive healing in our physical bodies, Lord, today. Lord, we receive your healing in our hearts today, in your name. Now I commission you, go out of this place. Make Jesus known in presence and power everywhere you go. Amen. Bless you today. Love y'all so much. We'll see you again next week.